Hi, good morning. Um, wait for my slides for um, My name's Duncan, um, and I work for London City Mission uh, on the Isle of Dogs, and I've worked for them since about 2013. Um, see if this works. There it is in all its glory. Um, it's an odd little place, the Isle of Dogs. Um, it's one of the few places in London which has physical boundaries which can make things good and make things bad. Um, and this is where I work. This is one of the mission spaces uh, in London, Cafe Forever. Um, and we are a community cafe. We are there to serve the community and our Lord. Um, and we offer a base, a secure base, we hope, for people to come and see us uh, and to find the Lord. Now, for the kids, I have no idea what Marlene has spoken to you about in the past, so because she didn't fill me in before she ran off to South Africa. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a potted history. Now, you're thinking, Isle of Dogs. It's a bit of a stupid name. Who came up with that? Um, and here are a couple of ideas. Henry VIII kept his hunting dogs there. And Edward kept his greyhounds there. It's the corruption of the Isle of Ducks. And it's a corruption of the Isle of Dykes. Does anyone think they know which one it is? Any of the kids think they know which one that might be? No? Then you're not alone, because nobody knows. <laughs> and these, these are just a few. These are just a few. I could be here all day with all the different ideas of why these names came about. And if it's somewhere like London an old city with an incredibly rich history. It just sums up, you know, we don't know. We don't, it's just another enigma about the Isle of Dogs, and it, that's what makes it a fascinating place. It makes it a great place to live and a great place to work. Um, and it was just basically a boggy marshland. There was nothing there. And then they drained it, and then they opened the docks, and that's what made us big and famous, you know, we had big ships coming in from everywhere. Uh, and that kind of made the island. It went through a boom period. Ships were coming from all over the world, from all different parts of the world. And that brought challenges in how do you, how do, how do you cope with all this influx of people from all over the world, different religions? Um, and out of that is kind of why London City Mission grew up. One of their main things was to go into the East End, the lawless, godless East End as it was, uh, and to try and spread the, the word of our Lord uh, and to bring some peace and stability to the area. And that work continues. Um, and it's only through the continued support of our sister churches and people like you that we can continue to do this work. Because in some respects, it's still a bit lawless and godless out there, but... And obviously, yeah, we had the docks, but then things started to go a bit wrong. The docks went, they couldn't get the big container ships in, and the island went through a really bad period. Um, it declined, industry declined, um, and they, we, they were still reeling from you know, the blitz, basically. Even until the 70s, areas had not been redeveloped. There were still bomb sites. It wasn't a pretty place to live, um, but then, somebody had the bright idea of building a great big skyscraper there. They went bust. Um, 
but the idea came and it stayed. And now Canary Wharf is a booming, huge place. When I, when I say I live on the Isle of Dogs, people go, oh, you mean Canary Wharf? I'm like, no, can't afford that. Um, but it, it, it has brought huge amounts of regeneration to the area and brought its own problems. But it's, it really put us on the map. Um, I'm going to talk about something that um, I, 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 I just find hilarious. So you, you're thinking, you know, probably mad. But in 1st of March 1970, the Isle of Dogs declared independence. Um, they sealed the bridges. Basically, to get on and off the island in those days, there were two bridges. And they formed a human barrier across the bridges, sealed it off. Declared independence, um, and basically issued passports. Um, and it's interesting because there, was, there were problems on the island, and people didn't know how to address the problems. There was no... There was no secondary school, there was only one bus route, lots of new people were moving in, and the care system, the infrastructure couldn't cope. And so people didn't know what to do. Um, and so they, they, they sealed it off. Um, and it got in the national press, it got on the ITV news. Um, and it really highlighted the problems there. Um, but it, it, it just, for me, it's just a, a, another silly little piece of history from the Isle of Dogs and it's why I love the place uh, and I love working there and I love serving the community there because there are still characters like that around um, now before I go on I just want to say a big heartfelt thank you for your support uh, it means an awful lot to LCM and it means a lot to the people of the Isle of Dogs um, and I want to just talk about one little girl I know um, a little Polish girl who's at my daughter's school. And um, her mum and dad are separated, which is not unusual. Um, and she lives with her mum and her grandmother and her little brother. And, sorry. And her grandmother goes out <clears throat> late at night and works pretty much all night. Um, and then her mother gets up at about six o'clock in the morning and goes out to work. Her grandmother then is just coming home from work and she has to go to bed. So the little girl has to get up and look after her little brother. Has to get him ready in the morning. And um, <coughs> Sorry. That little girl has been bullied mercilessly at school. Um, and it really affects me. Um, my daughter's going through the same thing. She's been bullied. Um, but this little girl, she's been picked on because her clothes aren't very nice, because she's not got the latest fashions, stupid little things like that, and because her dad's not there. You know, and these things really affect. And they don't have a lot of money. Um, and last year, we took toys round to them that you'd donated. And it made such a difference to them. Um, you know, to feel that they were com the community cared. And that's where your stuff goes. You know, and it's so important for them to feel they're part of the community and they're loved um, by the community. And to know that 
Although her father isn't there, she has a heavenly father who loves her and will never stop loving her and will never pick on her. Um, so, And she will be one of the children um, I would like us to keep as a prayer request. Um, and so I'll leave it there for the children um, and then obviously I will pick up when we're finished. Hopefully without me breaking down anymore. <laughs> We're going to sing a, a song as we take up our offering, but we're going to do two things now. So listen carefully so that we don't uh, end up with, um, with people bumping into each other. Because what's going to happen is we're going to take the money, monetary offering first. So the bags will come round. And- okay, um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my backstory. Um, some of you I've met before and already know it. Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic drug addict. And it was during my time in treatment that a certain rather tall South African lady came and knocked on my door. Um, one of the reasons I'm going to give you my backstory is because it kind of feeds into what I'm going to talk to you about the future um, of the LCM on the island. Um, so I was just finishing treatment, and although the treatment seemed to be working, there was still a void in me. There was a gap, a hole, and I knew that, but I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know how to fill it. For years, I've been filling it with drink and drugs and general debauchery, to be honest. Um, And I I came from a Christian background. My grandfather was a a Methodist preacher, um, but when I turned about 13, I turned my back on the Lord. Strangely enough, it was about that time that things started to go wrong, and drink and drugs started to take over. I obviously didn't correlate this at the time, but hindsight is a wonderful thing. Um, so Marlene knocks on my door, and uh, it was a total accident almost. She even knocked on the door. And said, do you have a Bible? I was like, yes. And we started chatting. I explained my situation. And she was able to say, well, you know, why, why don't you try coming to church? And... I was sceptical. It took a couple of weeks, and then I did come to church. And the great thing about working for LCM is, although I go to a church, because we know all the churches on the island, when we meet someone, we work for the Lord through LCM. So I can say to someone, go to this church or go to that church because that church will suit you better. We, we can tell from what sort of character someone is which church is going to suit them better. And it, it, that's the great thing about working for LCM is that we have the connections to be able to say, you know, this church is the right one for you. Um, so that's a little bit my, my backstory. Hopefully, it's been since 2013, I have had relapses, don't get me wrong. Um, but when I do, the church community rally around and pick me up. Um, and it's tough um, because it's very common on the island. So one of, my, one of the things I do is you know, I just help people. I point them in the right direction. 
And I suppose I'm just there as a, a reminder to people that it can be done, that you can break this cycle, um, but you can't do it on your own. And you need him. He's the only one who can cure you. You can't cure yourself. You need his help to make you better. Um, so that kind of leads me on to what I was going to talk about next, if the slides work, um, about the future of what LCM, about the future of LCM on the island and how we see things with the cafe. Um, because we're going through a bit of a funny time. Um, the population's increasing. By 2020, from 40,000 to 100,000, um, people think the island's going to sink, which would be funny. <laughs> Apart from my mortgage, I'll probably be ruined. But um, There's no plans to increase the number of doctors, DLRs at capacity. I think it might be time to declare independence again because <laughs> this is what it came to last time. We feel like, and the community feels, they're not being listened to. Um, and you get this. I don't know how well you can see that. The apartment, South Key Plaza, five and a half million. Um, that other picture is about half a mile away from where South Key Plaza will be built. That is actually me looking for the worst ever photo I could of it. They were actually redeveloping the gardens at the time. That's why it looks quite so bad. But... <laughs> It's that inequality that causes a problem. And I'm sure Marlene's talked to you about Micah, one of the little lads. He's not so little anymore. He's 16. But I was talking to him in the cafe the other day, and uh, he said, yeah, a friend of mine just got top-of-the-range BMW. I was like, wow, really? What's he do? He says, uh, I said, he's, uh, does he, yeah, is he dealing in herbology? And he went, yeah. And the problem is for a lot of these kids... They see these big towers, and they want that. But how are they going to get there? And for a lot of them, the only way they can see is through petty crime, dealing drugs, things like that. Micah could easily go that way. But we feel like we've laid foundations in his life, given him a stability. You know, He still comes back to the cafe, even though he's 16. Hopefully those foundations will keep him away from that sort of thing. But it is constantly around them. The young boys that are growing up, they see this. They see no other way of achieving you know, the nice car, the nice apartment. They don't think long-term about if I get caught. So that's one of the things. But Micah, hopefully, it won't happen to. Um, and the other thing I just wanted to show you is this is the census from 2011. Um, and one of the striking things about this, we all know there's a big Muslim community on the island. It says they're 18%, I think. 18%. It's the one above it. Oh, above that, sorry. Christian, 22%. If every single one of that 22% were actually practicing Christians, we wouldn't be able to cope. We'd have... The, they'd be outside in the streets. The, ch the churches couldn't cope. We would be absolutely flooded. So we need to look at why there's that 22%. These are people who've grown up believing themselves to be Christian, but don't practice. 
So it's something we, um, as an organization, are going to start looking at is why, how we can reach these people, they've, you know, the lapsed Christians, people like me. Yeah? I was brought up in that, uh, in a Christian household, and yet I lapsed. So there's a big population out there um, that we need to look at. We, we concentrate a lot on the Muslim population, but there's also something close to home we need to look at. Um, the other figures are just up there for interest. Uh, you know, it's, uh, this goes to show the diversity of the area we live in, and it becomes even more and more diverse uh, as every year goes by. Um, and some of the challenges now, obviously that big five and a half million pound apartment, people who live in there, they don't think they need us. They think they're fine. They, they think they're absolutely fine. They've got the money, they've got the car, they've got their nice wife or their nice husband. But they do need us. Um, but how do we get to these people? The gated developments, the big buildings, we can't go around and knock on the door like Marlene did to me and get chased off by the security guards and the concierge. So how do we get to these people? And that's where the cafe comes in. Because we don't actually have to go to them. If we can offer things, they come to us. And we find that with a lot of things. We, we get a lot of the mums coming in because we offer a safe place. Um, we offer a safe place for everyone we hope we try to be inclusive as possible so we get a lot of the mums coming in they go to the baby groups and then they come into the cafe and have a coffee and it allows us to build up a relationship with them whereas we can't get into their building we can have a relationship with them there the summer programme that Marlene, bless soul has run for year after year after year drags people in and it mixes the community up the people in the five and a half million pound penthouse to the people who live on the rundown estates end up mixing because quite often through their children and that's the, the only time they ever mix is something like the summer program or the easter egg hunt or something like that it helps bring the community together and the fun days are another example of that um it really helps bring that community that would never normally come together. Um, and obviously things like the, the kids' pl- uh, clubs, youth programs, they have their things. Personally, I've been running um, computer courses for the over-50s. Um, we're running tablet courses for the over-50s at the minute um, because we felt there was a need, because we saw that they can benefit the most from technology, but they are the ones who are most afraid of it. I give them, I mean, my two-year-old has a tablet. She sits there, plays with it, breaks it. She doesn't care. She just gives it back to me. Daddy fix it. Not a problem. Um, and the, the idea of the course was to bring people in and, and also to say, you know, once the course finishes, it doesn't mean you can't come back and talk to us about it. Um, but it helps bring people in. And about being inclusive, um, Marlene has probably spoken in the past about Declan. Um, I'm pleased to say Declan has finally managed to move off the Isle of Dogs. Um, he's been trying for several years, but he has a new new house. He's making a new start. And when I think back to what Declan was like when he first came in to the cafe, it's incredible. Uh, you, know, he's, he, you, you, you wouldn't recognise him. 
Um, so that's, you know, one phase finished. But we have new people coming in and new people who need our support, and that's what the cafe does really well. I have a gentleman called Matthew comes in um, and who has faced great suffering at the hands of his own family. Uh, he's very distrustful. Um, he suffers from severe depression and paranoia. Um, and the NHS can do wonderful things. But they can't be his friend. That's where we come in. And we pick up what they can't do. They can't be there for him. He knows he can drop down whenever he likes and he can sit there all day and talk to us. And quite often he does. Um, but that's what we're for. That's what makes us special. That's what makes us the community centre on the Isle of Dogs. Um, and s slowly, Matthew is changing. Slowly, we can see it in the way he deals with people. And we encourage him. We, we take him to clubs. We, we, we take him to the cinema. Um, we try and offer the hand of friendship. And all the time, we're explaining to him that he has a father who cares for him, who loves him. His own family betrayed him, abused him. But he still has a heavenly father who loves him. Um, and then we have Theo, another gentleman who, again, has been the subject of abuse in the, in the community because he suffered. Um, he was in a motor accident when he was younger and suffered brain damage and physical damage. And he's a lovely, gentle, caring man. But people do pick on him. Um, and he can, he can be the butt of jokes. And <coughs> because he doesn't pick up on what people are saying to him, he doesn't understand that they're actually being mean to him. I'm mean to him, but he knows I'm being mean to him because I explain it to him. And it's, as I explain to him, it's because I love him. He's part of my community. He's part of my family. Um, but he comes in because he feels safe. He feels it's somewhere he can come, have a conversation, and not be treated harshly or unfairly. Um, we can't do that unless people support LCM. People give the presence. Or just give us time. You know, time is so important. Um, for these people to be able to sit down and just spend the time with them um, and so we are so grateful for everything you do as a community and as a church for LCM to support our work um, and we're really positive about going forward um, there's going to be 100,000 people for us to pick on soon <laughs> it's going to be even easier so everyone's going to be on their doorstep so we can either see it as hardship or we can see it as a blessing suddenly we have a hundred thousand people on our doorstep that I think is a blessing we simply need to work with the Lord to work out how best to reach these people um, as Carol's always saying to me God always opens doors whenever she turns up somewhere where she's not supposed to be usually getting chased by the concierge God has opened that door. And if she gets to speak to one person, if we get to speak to one person on the doors, that's, that's, that's fine. We, we make that one bit of difference. Um, 
So we, we are positive about going forward. And we, we thank you so much for your support over the years. We know it's not just now. Um, so, yeah, a, a couple of prayer requests. Um, the summer program, um, Theo and Stephen, uh, Theo and Matthew, I changed his name, that's his old name, he used to be called Stephen. Um, the cafe, obviously, the island in general, um, Julia, and on a personal note, my daughter. I'm going to wrap this up really quick. Um, she's been bullied a lot. Um, so I would, I would really appreciate prayers for her. Um, now, before I start bawling again, um, I, would just, I think I'll leave it there and just say thank you yet again for the privilege of being able to come here and speak to you and for your continued support. Thank you so much. Thank you, Duncan, for sharing that. And uh, your emotion is evident both for your own daughter and also the work, uh, which we're really pleased that we can continue to uh, support. But So we're going to come to a time of intercessory prayer, which I'll lead, and uh, we're going to include, obviously, London City Mission uh, in that as well. I'd encourage you to pick up your notice sheets because there's a lot of pastoral things going on, and um, I'm just going to pick out a few uh, which are kind of new to us. Um, so uh, if you can look at the notice sheet and use that as the base of your prayers during the week as well. So let's pray together. First, I want to pray for Benita and Derek Adams, the loss of Benita's father these past few days, and the upcoming funeral on the 14th of December. I pray, Lord, at that time you're given comfort and peace as they prepare for that. And I pray, Lord, that um, for Benita's mum, uh, that she'll be able to look after her, comfort her as well. I pray they'd know your closeness at this sensitive time. I pray also for Nick Lear, our regional minister, just really just diagnosed with a heart condition, which is quite serious, and will need an operation, and will be out of action for three months, and as churches in the EBA, we've been asked to pray for him. So we do lift him up and his wife, Sally, pray again your special blessing and your peace that surpasses understanding to rest on them. Give you thanks, Lord, that we're coming into this season where we remember your birth, and uh, in many ways it's kind of, we, we see Christmas trees and various bits and pieces going up already, uh, but for us here, I suppose this weekend with the Virgin production, uh, we thank you so much for all the hard work that's gone into that, particularly by Pete White, uh, Corinne and the team. We thank you for all those that are taking part from this church and other places. And we pray, Lord, that uh, I know it's good but from reading all the reviews and looking forward to seeing it tonight, but we pray, Lord, that lives would be changed and that people would hear your message, the Virgin birth, the birth of a Saviour, to save people from their sins. Thank you for the performance last night, and we pray ahead for the performance tonight, especially for anybody that doesn't yet believe in you. Pray their hearts would be stirred, and I pray that we'd all be encouraged this Christmas time. And today, especially, Lord, we want to give you thanks for London City Mission. We thank you for Duncan, Lord, for his testimony, one of alcohol and drug abuse. And although the, the secular treatment, if you like, was working he still knew that void, a void that no matter how rich or poor people are in that area, no matter what brand new building or old building they live in, they will recognise that void if they don't know you and they need you as much as anybody. We thank you that Lord Marlene visited that time, invited him to a church 
and help us this Christmas to draw inspiration from that and know the power of invitation. So early in the Gospels, the evangelists were the ones who said, come and see. Simple evangelists, come and see. We think we've found the Saviour. We thank you that someone took the time with Duncan. We thank you for his testimony. We thank you for the Cafe Forever, the community cafe, and the way they can serve the community and God. Fun days, preschool, after school, computer courses, with all sorts of different cultures, different backgrounds, different wealth, different poverty, different people, inequality. Lord, I pray they can bring stability and build relationships in those communities. With the increased population and challenges and opportunities that will come, we pray, Lord, that um, they'll, they'll see where you're leading them. They'll see what the Father is doing, and they go along with that. With no extra services or, or, or uh, services in that area when that population comes, there'll be a challenge both to them and the local churches. We pray they seize those opportunities, and that your name would be glorified. We pray for this young Polish girl, her nan, who has to work in the evening, the mum during the day, and then she looks after her brother and then gets bullied at school. Life must seem pretty dire to her, and we just pray for her, Lord. We pray that she'd know you. We pray that she'd see your light. We thank you that LCM are aware of that situation. We pray for Duncan's daughter. Lord, so often when we're involved in Christian work, the enemy knows the buttons to push, knows the things that will get to us very quickly. And I pray for her. I pray that for both of those people, they would be surrounded with new friends, with new support, and they would know that you never leave them or forsake them. And I pray they'd be powerful uh, beyond their age, because they would have the power of you, the presence of your Holy Spirit living within them. Pray for 16-year-old Micah, the temptations that uh, his age group and others around him face. We thank you for the cafe and the relationships built there. We pray that they'll get a new vision for life, that it's not just found in money or possessions. It's found in relationship. We thank you that Declan has seen that and made a new start. We pray for Theo. We pray for Matthew. Pray against the depression, the paranoia, but we thank you for the friendship that he's been able to have. And for those people that would say they're Christians, the 22%, pray, Lord, that they be re-envisioned and remember the verse that you said to your disciples and you say to us today, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And they are called to be salt and light in that area. That London City Mission can't do it on its own. They can have an army of people that declare your name and witness to your word. For those people in the nice towers and the not-so-nice towers, those with money and those without, they all need you, the living Christ, who came this Christmas time for everybody, for God so loved the world, so loved the world, whatever their, their background, their religion, he so loved them, but he wants them to know the Saviour. We pray for the future of LCM, all the opportunities that are going to come. And we pray, Lord, they'll, they'll continue to be salt and light in that area. They'll continue to be a witness. And I pray for major breakthroughs for them, Lord, that they'd be so inspired and encouraged, knowing they are living out that faith. And I pray your special blessing on Duncan, this morning. Thank you for his honesty, his openness, his vulnerability. And I pray, Lord, that would be a witness to us and challenge our hearts this Christmas. Most of us have so much, and there are so many that have very little. Pray that you'll stir us, Lord. As we serve each one of those, your Bible says it's as if we serve you. So thank you for the work of London City Mission. I pray, Lord, we'll continue to support that for many years ahead.
I pray maybe we'll be stirred to go and have a look at a cafe. Maybe go and buy a cup of tea or a cake and just go and encourage them or the people around there. It's just not very far from our doorstep. But I thank you for them, the original vision. And I pray that continues in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord Jesus, we thank you that yours is a life-changing name. Yours is a powerful name. Yours is a beautiful name. Yours is a wonderful name. And Lord, we worship you again. Unchangeable, Lord of all. We thank you that you're willing to step into our world and you're willing to step into people's lives today. And pray, Lord God, we play our part in your mission. Lord, to see people bow the knee to the Lord Jesus, to have their lives touched, changed, transformed. Lord, may we not keep this to ourselves, but may we openly share the amazing life-transforming name of Jesus with everyone that we come into contact with without any kind of fear. Give us courage afresh, Lord, by your Holy Spirit to speak the name of Jesus into people's lives. We thank you now for the opportunity to open your word. We thank you for Ian. And we pray, Lord, that you would give him all wisdom and, Lord, an anointing of your spirit as he speaks. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you need a Bible, just put your hand up and they'll uh, make their way round. Uh, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We'll be to 56. I'm just going to read from verse 26 to 45 to start off with. A nice big chunk and passage of Scripture. We like Scripture being read in churches, so this is uh, good news. And I just want to speak to Duncan, first of all, if I may. Um, when you said about the East End uh, being full of villains and reprobates and, and everything else, so I just want you to know my in-laws come from the East End. Uh, and so do my mum and dad, and I'd need to tell you, you're right. <laughs> I think a lot of them moved out into Essex, didn't they? A lot of them. We don't know, we don't know who they are, but I know you're out there. So in uh, Luke chapter 1, from verse 26, if you're using uh, a church Bible, uh, that's page 1026, Luke chapter 1. I'm just going to read uh, from uh, verse 26. Uh, to 45 first of all. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with a child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be as you have said. Then the angel left her. 
At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. So there was a significant event uh, last Sunday. Can any of you tell me what it was? Not my birthday. It wasn't last Sunday. It couldn't be that. It was the switching on of the lights down Billericay High Street. Woohoo! Excellent. I love the lights, I love them, they're very, very good, they're all good, and I really like them. It's, uh, the trees are beginning to appear in windows, uh, unbelievably, not in our home yet, um, as much as I'd like them to. And nativities are being planned, teachers are under stress, so the parents have got to find the outfits, it's all going to kick off fairly soon. And it's all because of the birth of a saviour, Jesus. This passage today is, the birth, is all about what's going to happen, it's the foretelling, the birth of Jesus. How's it going to happen? And the Lord obviously explains it all to Mary. The announcement by the angel Gabriel to Mary that she's going to give birth to a son. Not any old son, God himself. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, Christmas is great, isn't it? Who enjoyed Friday? We know what Friday was? Black Friday. Black Friday. The time when stores are supposedly, that's, they've covered their costs now and they've gone into the black. This is where they start to make their money. Still coming up is what? Cyber Monday, well done Katie, Cyber Monday, you know, for those that don't like going shopping and don't like people, uh, don't want to speak to anybody, they get on the internet and of course Amazon then have a very busy time. They'll be going around uh, in the month of December, plenty of knocks on the door, deliveries, cards and everything else. Now imagine you're going about your business and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door, you're thinking, more cards, Maybe it's Amazon, maybe Andrew's ordered something that she's going to get me for Christmas. If I get to the door first, have a sneaky look and find out what it is. No. There's someone standing there. He says, hey, hi, I'm Gabriel. I've been sent by God, and you're highly favoured. The Lord is with you. I mean, what would you do? I know what I'd do. I'd think nutter and shut the door in his face. (laughs) Must be from one of the other churches. We don't do that sort of stuff here. But what's about to happen is massive, it's huge, it's news that will turn the world literally on its axis, isn't it? I mean, no other name has changed the world uh, since time began. If we can have slide two up, please, uh, Ben. There it is. Uh, Years and years of waiting, 400 or so years between the Old and New Testament, prophecies have been declared, anticipation has been growing, and now this is the news. Mary's getting the news, it's about to happen. A time is now arriving, the whole Trinity is moving with awesome power. God, the Father, sends the angel to tell the news of the Christ, the Christos in Greek, the Anointed One, the Messiah. He's going to fulfill over 300 prophecies, many of which happened before his birth. He had no control over them, spoken by different voices over 500 years. 29 prophecies fulfilled in one day, the day he dies. Because the baby just wasn't born to be cute and cuddly. He was on a mission, and he had a purpose, and it was for you, because God so loved the world. And now, in this passage, we begin to see a great movement of the Holy Spirit. We see Zechariah in chapter 115. He's being told that his son, which is going to be John the Baptist, will be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. 
He's instrumental in the virgin birth. When Mary meets Elizabeth, the baby leaps in her womb and she is filled with the Spirit. Later on, Zechariah himself is the father of John the Baptist, filled with the Spirit. The Spirit's at work. He's beginning to feel the promise that he is for all, not just for certain people at certain times, like in the past. There was a promise that he's going to be poured out on all people. And this is the beginning. The world's changing. The prophecies are beginning to come true. The Holy Spirit's at work. Jesus is, is, is helping this age come into the present. The Greek word for the Spirit, parakletos, is mentioned in John 14, verse 16, when Jesus says, I'll give you another, one called alongside. It's like a counsellor. I'll give you another counsellor, a comforter. Jesus said, the Father will give you another counsellor. But he was only for certain people at certain times in the past. He wasn't for everybody. He wasn't for you or for me. But his passage we read is announcing that the new covenant, which God the Father had promised so many years ago, Jeremiah said, I will put the law in their minds and write it on their hearts. He's going to start to change us from within. Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He's going to change our hearts. He's going to give us a new heart. It's not legalism or rules or regulations. It's love, which has always been God's motive. The future is going to be different from the past. That's why we call it the New Covenant, the New Testament. Joel 2, 28 to 29, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This is what's going to happen. This is the inbreaking of this time now. History is going to be written. New life in all its fullness can be had. Your wrongdoings will be paid for. Your eternity will be secure. And it starts now with this passage that we're reading. Gabriel announcing to Mary she is highly favoured. She's going to give birth to Jesus. And what does Jesus mean? The Lord saves. He saves us. You can have your Black Friday, you can have your Cyber Monday, but the Christmas season, and I love all of that stuff, but the Christmas season is about the birth of the Christos, the Messiah. And the Bible says, they were told, you will give him the name Jesus because it means the Lord saves. He will save people from their sins. And I guess the question at Christmas time is how many people do you know, maybe it's even yourself, who are not saved? They're not saved from the penalty of sin. They're lost, whether in the Isle of Dogs, Billericay High Street, or walking past this church this morning. They're lost. They will recognise the void that Duncan spoke about that we all would have known before we became Christians. It can only be filled by one person. We're created in the image of God to have a relationship with God. Without that, that void will be there. No matter how many 55 or 60-inch TV screens you've got, or cars, or money, or possessions, it doesn't matter if you're poorest or the poor. Without Jesus, the void will be there because we're created to have a relationship with God. So we have to ask ourselves how passionate we are about the lost. When did we last weep for them, as Paul says? When did I last weep for them? When did I last speak to them about Christ? I saw something on Facebook this week. I see loads of stuff on Facebook. I ignore most of it uh, because people seem to be leading better lives than me. It makes me depressed. People only put good stuff up and they see that. You know, but I'm the same. Uh, but I saw something on Facebook and it said, the best form of evangelism, I've got to change the words a little bit, um, is just to let people know you're a Christian. Then don't act like, I, don't, I can't find a word, don't act like an idiot. 
you know. They know you're a Christian. Just be, just be a Christian. You know, just talk about faith. Uh, just, you know, we heard about the invitation to churches. It doesn't have to be this one. It could be a better one. Uh, but the church is, is a representation of faith. It's not faith. Going to church doesn't give you faith. You have faith, so you want to be part of the family. But we can uh, just be known as Christians and not be stupid about it. But here we have, when we speak about these people, uh, we've got to ask ourselves, are we going to um, embrace this Christmas angel? The Christmas angel is an evangelist. He's telling Mary about Jesus. Uh, later on in Luke, the shepherds uh, will be told by an angel as well, do not be afraid, I bring you good news. A saviour has been born to you, he is Christ. They go and see for themselves. The angel even there is the evangelist again. Will we hear that message today? Will we tell people about Jesus? Will we live our lives uh, like Jesus wanted them to live them? Live it. Mary hears that message a few thousand years ago, and how did she, you think she felt? I mean, I'd feel a bit strange. Well, I would. I'm a bloke. You know, <laughs> if the angel told me I'm pregnant, I would know. I would shut the door. <laughs> but <laughs> um, how would you feel? You'd be doubtful, probably. Maybe a bit afraid. Is it a wind up? And I'd say that God wants to inspire us this morning. We've heard inspiring messages. Uh, There's always a new time coming. Challenges might be ahead. It will be for London City Mission. It will be with all these new people you're going to get, with the services uh, that won't be provided. And surely that's when churches see an opportunity, one they'd probably rather not have, as we've said here, where the state is becoming more and more reliant on charities. When did you feed me? When did you clothe me? When did... Uh, you come and see me in prison. Because whatever we do, for the very least, it's as if we do it for Jesus himself. They're the words of Christ himself. So there are challenges ahead. And there's going to be change. And there's always discomfort with change. Uh, I wonder if Mary had had some thoughts. Maybe she thought, well, I like, quite like things the way they are. I, you know, I'm okay with Joseph. We'll just have, uh, we'll give birth naturally. It'll be fine. We don't need this miracle. Can't somebody else do it? But she doesn't. Slide three, please, Ben. And sometimes churches uh, are like that. We're okay as we are. We're ticking along. Can't things just stay the way they are? Can't we do things the way we've always done them? But God loves people too much. And it always challenges us to do new things. And a passage that's been spoken over us as a church uh, time and time again from Isaiah 43. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Can you imagine Mary? She said, well, hold on, I like how it's been for the last couple of thousand years, if you don't mind. Can you imagine if she'd held on to the past? I think I quite like sticking to the Old Testament law with its rules and its rigidity, legality, not real access to God on a personal level. But no, this is held in a new time, a New Testament, where there's freedom, forgiveness, servanthood, friendship which is a thing you were saying you want to offer some of these people. Jesus offers his friendship. Of course, we can choose to be his enemy, and he'll he'll honour that decision, but he'd rather we choose to be his friend. Mary embraced it, and we always need to embrace what God is doing. A new thing, challenges. For us ahead, we might be fearful, but we need to embrace it. Mary did, didn't she? Why did she do it? Well, first of all, um, she was told, verse 28, the Lord is with you. If we know God is with us, we can face anything. Anything. First and foremost, first sentence of the angel, the Lord is with you. And this morning, as people I know would want to hear that, the Lord is with you. Whatever you're going through in life, the Lord is with you. You need to underline that in your Bibles. Not if you're using a church one. 
If you've got your own Bible, underline it. The Lord is with you. That's God's word to you this morning. He's with you. No matter what you're going, going through, my day has to start with God. I have to remind myself, the Lord is with me. The challenge is too big. The town is too big. The church is too small. The Lord is with me, and the Lord is with you. has to start with God. There's many tasks and challenges in life, many things you'll have to face. The Lord is with you. Many issues and concerns, the Lord is with you. There's many blessings, the Lord is with you. Whatever's going on today, the Lord is with you, if you want him to be. So once we know that, we've got a kind of a comfort factor. It's not just an empty promise, he's there. He's with us, his word says it. So Mary could be confident. The second reason she's confident is because it's God's mission. Verse 30 30 to uh, 33 uh, is where she's given this mission. It's quite a big one for Mary. Somehow she's going to get pregnant, although she's not yet married or had any sexual relations. She's going to give birth to a miraculous child. He's going to be great, and he'll be called Son of the Most High. In fact, you're going to call him Jesus because the Lord saves. And he had his mission as well. This was her mission. She embraced it. Now, I'd hazard a guess this Christmas, it'll be a magical time, we're going to love it, but I don't think any of you are going to get a visit from an angel of the Lord called Gabriel saying you're going to give birth to a saviour. I'm not a betting man, but I would bet money on that. We've only got, we've got one saviour, and he's already been given. But that was Mary's mission. I don't know what your mission is, but you've got one. You've definitely got one. When we're aware of God's call on our lives, asking us to serve in some way, that may be normally pushing us out of our own comfort zone, we can be doubtful, maybe like Mary was, maybe a little bit afraid, but then we have to listen to those words. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. I bet she was, but do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. And if the Lord is with you, and you're on God's mission, don't be afraid. He's with you, and he's got you. Of course, she's got questions, Mary. She's got questions, questions. How can this be, she said. How can this be? But God has a plan, verses 35 to 37. It seems impossible. He even tells her about her relative Elizabeth. Verse 37 says, For nothing is impossible with God. When often we can say in church or our own lives, How can this be? How am I going to resolve this? The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Nothing is impossible with God. Another verse that's been spoken over us, God can do immeasurably more than we can ask for or imagine. I wonder what we are asking for. Are we asking for enough for our families, the lost, for London City Mission? Or is God giving us opportunities? Is the opportunity, is that a God movement of another tens and tens of thousands of people going? Is it a God movement that we're having so much immigration, the Catholic churches in London are full up? Are we going to embrace it? Or are we going to say, well, I quite like things the way they've always been. Words of a dying church. So the Lord is with you. He's got a mission for you. Don't be afraid. You might have questions. God has the answers and the plans. And what is the only reaction that we can have when we know those truths? Mary gives it to us. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. It's a simple prayer. What if those 22% of Christians prayed that? Instead of saying, well, I'm a Christian, you know, because I had cornflakes for breakfast and I took communion when I was, you know, 10. Uh, What if we really were Christians? What if they all said, what if they all said, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. I worked in the Florida stock market before the Florida stock market was no more, uh, which was in um, 1986. 
Uh, but I was only on there for two years. I left school at 16. Um, I should be phrased that because I'm from an East End family. They kicked me out. And so and I went to work in the city. And um, on the floor of the stock market, there's three badges, a blue one, a yellow one, and a silver one. And the silver one was what everyone attained to. It's called a member dealer. The yellow one was called an authorised clerk. You was allowed to deal on behalf of your firm, which I got just before Big Bang uh, in 1986. But I was a blue badge, what they call blue badge. I tried to find one to bring it. I can't find it. And if you was a blue badge, you were the lowest of the low. It's called a blue button. And there was a man that worked for my firm, Bisgood Bishop, uh, called Brian Winterflood, and he was a bit of a hero of ours, and he set up his own firm in the end. But he used to run the USMs. I'm playing over there because my pitch was here on engineers, and he was on the USMs over there, unlisted securities market. And he didn't have a blue button. Every pitch had a member dealer, authorised clerk, and a blue button. And the reason he didn't have it is because he was number one in the firm. And he didn't need a blue button because every time he said blue, 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 then if you looked up from one of the other pitches and didn't go over there, he put the fear, of, literally the fear of God into you. So he used to stand there and go, blue, 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 and you go, oh, come, sir, and you'd leg it over there. He'd say something like, go and offer to the big boys, 50,000 Wrexham, you go, right, I'm going to do it, and you put a bid and offer slip, because there was no screens in those days, and you'd run around all the broker's boxes, you'd say, we've got 50,000 Wrexham for sale, you know, and off you go, and that was it. You, we didn't question it. If you questioned it, you were thrown off the floor. That was literal as well. They would literally kick you off the floor. Mary's, Mary answers, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Unquestioning. Don't question it. And whatever he asks, and I wonder what God's asking of you this morning. It might be you want some prayer afterwards, but seek his will. He's with you. He's got a mission for you. Don't be afraid. He has the plans. The reaction to all of this, Jesus, the Lord saves, that I'm called by God, that I've been anointed by him, chosen by him, is to worship him. And that's what Mary does in her song. From verse 46 to 55. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. But has lifted up the humble... He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. Can we say that honestly this morning? And if not, let's do something about it. Let's not be like the mostly 22% who, who profess Christianity Can we be the ones who say, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me, as you have said. Can we look to glorify God, which we just looked at in the Reformation series, glory to God alone. Will we say that my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour? The things I do for him are not a burden, they're an act of service, an act of love, and I do them gladly, because I love him for what he did for me. So go out from this place today, whether it's in the Isle of Dogs, or Billericay, or wherever you live and work, Go out and glorify the Lord today and in the days to come. Then your spirit, your spirit will rejoice in God, your Saviour. His mercy will extend to you. He'll perform mighty deeds through you. And he'll welcome you into heaven. And it all starts with this birth at this Christmas time. That's the message of Christmas. Not Black Friday. Not even tomorrow morning on Cyber Monday. It's the birth of Christ. And it's good news in a world that's desperate for good news. He was born in a borrowed manger. He preached from a borrowed boat. He entered Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. His last supper was in a borrowed upper room. 
and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And now what he asks for the Christians is to borrow us. Borrow the lives of Christians to reach this world. My soul glorifies the Lord. Amen.